بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد طيب so last session we covered two ahadith one of those ahadith being the hadith of Al-Hasan radiallahu ta'ala anhu and it is the hadith da'ma yuribuka ila ma'la yuribuk leave that which causes you to become doubtful for that which doesn't cause you to become doubtful so this hadith here we said it is similar to which hadith hadith of al-Nu'man ibn Bashir يعني إن الحلال بين وإن الحرام بين حلال is clear, حرام is clear and between the two are matters that are uh, يعني unclear there was a nice point that Ibn Rajab makes concerning الورع concerning abstaining from matters out of fear of Allah matters that a person isn't sure as to whether or not they are halal and haram. Having a tadqiq, yani having um, being meticulous, being very, very meticulous about matters that he is unsure as to whether or not they are halal or haram. So a person stays away from those matters. He's very meticulous about these matters, small, minute matters. He keeps away from these matters. Why? Because of wara, because of fear of Allah. So, what did uh, Ibn Rajab say about this? Who who is capable of doing this? Hmm. Ah, very good, mashallah. The one who applies that degree of wara in everything. It isn't the case that he is a criminal in one aspect of his actions, of his deeds and then in one other aspect he wants to observe this degree of wara, this degree of piety for example those that killed Al-Husayn radiallahu ta'ala anhu they asked Ibn Umar about what? what did they ask? killing a mosquito how are you going to have wara concerning the blood of a mosquito when you've taken the blood of the grandson of the messenger alayhi salatu salam similar to this similar to this is imam ahmed imam ahmed he was very very careful concerning the ink that he would use to write down his hadith so that he would not take the ink of other people. He would not borrow the ink of other people. Other people's ink, he would not borrow it. But if somebody uh, wanted to use his ink, if somebody wanted to use his ink, he would freely give it to them. He wouldn't say, no, 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 you shouldn't do so because this, there's, a, there's a lack of water here. There's a lack of piety here. 
Imam Ahmad himself, he would not use other people's ink to write down a hadith. And I don't want to use other people's property and so on and so forth. Even though he might seek permission from them. But out of wara, out of just being extra cautious, he wouldn't use it. He wouldn't use other people's, other people's ink. If other people asked to use his own ink, he wouldn't give a fatwa saying, you know, it is from wara, it is from piety not to use other, or it is, it is, yani, uh, uh, it is good to be extra cautious and not use other people's ink. Yani he wouldn't apply what he, him, he himself is doing upon others. So there is a indication that here, yani the point being is that there's an indication here that a person is balanced in all of his actions. In all of his actions and in all, in, and in all of his deeds, he applies that degree of wara. Another example we mentioned was, does anybody remember another example that we mentioned? Of wara. That Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali mentions in his Jami' al-Ulumi al-Hikm. That a man, he asks, is it uh, okay for my mother is saying, divorce your wife. My mother is saying, divorce your wife. Yet this person, he beats his mother. He beats his mother. So he say, no, first you need to rectify your relationship with your, with your mother. Don't even ask the one whose wara isn't balanced in his, in his actions. You shouldn't even be asking about these meticulous, minute details. Rather fix that which is obligatory upon you first. Someone who beats his mother, and then he asks, my mother is telling me to divorce my wife. Should I obey my, mother, obey my mother? No, he's criticized for asking such minute matters. Rather fix the relationship with the mother. Desist from this major sin in relation to your mother first and then ask the minute details about obedience towards your mother. Tayyib. And the second hadith was the hadith of Abu Hurayata radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Min husni islam al mar'i tarkuhu ma la ya'nihi. That from the perfection of a person's Islam is he leaves that which that which he has no inaya for, that which he has no importance for, no concern for. Does this mean that he doesn't give any importance to anything that he has no personal concern for? What does this mean here? When the messenger is saying that a person doesn't, from the perfection of his Islam, is that he doesn't give importance or, uh, or that, uh, that he abandons those things that he doesn't give importance to, he doesn't have concern for, meaning personal concern, personal importance based upon his own personal whims and fancies. What's the criterion by which he determines what he's meant to Things that which won't benefit him, won't harm him. Yes, that's from the pinnacle, from the perfection of a person's Islam. But when he says, لا يعنيه, it doesn't concern him. He's not meant to give him, he's not, he doesn't give importance to it. بِحُكْمِ hawa, No. But based upon his own desires, meaning for example, um, praying, I don't give importance to it. It's not really, it's not really important, for, it's not really important as far as I'm concerned and, and in my eyes. Therefore, I'm not going to. Therefore, I'm going to leave giving importance to prayer. Is that what it means? No. Bihukum. Aywa. Bihukum al-Shari'i wal-Islam itself. 
based upon what Islam says and based upon what the Sharia says. So therefore, the meaning of the hadith is that from the perfection and the completion of a person's Islam is that he leaves those things that Islam doesn't give importance to. He leaves those things that Islam isn't concerned with. And we mentioned that um, concerning this, that there are levels of those things that a person doesn't give concern to. So you have the first level, those things that are haram, those things that are impermissible. person doesn't give concern to those things. Why? Because they don't concern him. He doesn't give importance to those things because they are not considered important in Islam. What, and therefore the mafhum of it, the opposite intent of it, is that it gives importance to the wajibat. Likewise the makruhat. Likewise the makruhat, the matters that are disliked. person doesn't give importance to them. Why? Because Islam doesn't give importance to them. And he keeps on going up and up and up. Number one, leaves off the obligations and therefore fulfills the obligations. Leaves off the makruhat and therefore fulfills the... If you leave off the makruhat, what's the opposite of makruh? Mustahabbat, fulfills the recommended matters. Up until he reaches the highest level of Islam, which is what this hadith is referring to. What's the highest level of your deen? Ihsan, what is ihsan? To worship Allah as though you see him. Even though you don't see him, then surely he sees you. And that highest pinnacle of your religion, it itself consists of levels. How many levels? Two levels. What's the highest of the two levels? Yes, to worship Allah as though you are seeing him, as though you're standing in front of him, worshipping him. And you are standing in front of him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you haven't reached that highest level, then what's the level that is less than that? A high level, in, a high level as well, but not as high as the former one. What's the second highest level? Here you are. To be, to be worshipping Allah while conscious of the fact that he is watching you and he is seeing you. Okay, so when a person he has reached his highest level of his deen, Worshipping Allah, conscious of the fact that Allah is seeing him. Worshipping Allah as though he is in front of him, before him. What's that going to produce in the slave? What is that going to produce in the human being? What is that going to do to you? It's something that's, that, that is something that is going to happen to you. If you are a person that has this characteristic of worshipping Allah as though he is in front of Allah. If you do this, then there is a very, very good trait that is going to be developed within you if you worship Allah as though you are standing in front of him, being watched by him. What is this trait? Uh, uh, Shyness. Shyness. And therefore, and then how is that connected to this matter of leaving off those things that you're not really meant to be giving importance to? How is that connected? 
Uh, there's different levels of it, but because you're conscious of the fact that Allah is watching you, and thus you become shy in front of Allah, you're shy now, number one, for Allah to see you doing haram. And you're shy from Allah seeing you not doing the wajibat. Likewise, you're shy because you are conscious that your Rabb, your Mawla is watching you, you are now shy from doing the makruhat. They're not haram, but you're shy now because you've reached the highest level of your deen and you have this istihya, this shyness before Allah. You're shy from Allah seeing you doing that which is disliked. You're shy from Allah seeing you leaving those things that are recommended, not obligatory, but recommended. Because you've reached this highest level of the deen, this highest level of being conscious of Allah, seeing you, hearing you, watching you, being uh, in a state as though you are in front of Allah, because you've reached that state, then you are so shy that you don't even want Allah to see you uh, doing some of the unnecessary, excessive mubahat, unnecessary, excessive permitted matters permitted permitted things to do to spend your time in okay so that there is a summary of our previous lesson summary of the hadith we need to do as well summary of the hadith so part three the summary of the hadith is four brief points number one Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad he mentions this hadith indicates that a person leaves off those things that he is not meant to be concerned with, not meant to give importance to from the affairs of his deen and from the affairs of his dunya. Number two is the opposite of it. It's the mafhum uh, of this narration, the implied meaning of this narration, the opposite intent of this narration. That a person busies himself and preoccupies himself in those things that are meant to concern him, meant to be of importance to him, from the worldly and religious matters, dini matters. Number three, that by way of a person leaving those things that he is not meant to give importance to in the first place, not meant to have concern for in the first place, that by way of a person leaving off those things that he is not meant to be giving importance to, in it there is raha li nafsihi wa hifdan li waqtihi wa salamatun li irdihi. In it there is a peace of mind that is brought about. Likewise, there is a preservation of his time. He safeguards his time, that valuable time of his. And likewise, his honor. It is, يعني, uh, he um, causes, he allows his honor to be protected by way of that. So by way of that, he achieves peace of mind. Time is preserved and safeguarded and his honor is preserved and safeguarded. Number four, this hadith, it indicates that people, they are of 
variant degrees as far as their Islam is concerned, as far as their deen is concerned. Not everybody is on the same level as far as being observant of the deen of Islam is concerned. People are of different levels. And we're going to now go and expand upon that point slightly uh, when we go into this, this next hadith, the hadith number 13. So that there, however, is hadith number 12. And those are the four points uh, of, of, of summary that Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad mentions. Hadith number 13. Anybody from the children memorized hadith number 13? Anybody from the bigger children? Ayyub, huh? which one's Ayyub? Ayyub. Hadith number 11. Oh, okay. Not 13? Khalas. Hadith number 12, huh? Is it 12? No problem. Hadith, the next hadith, Ayyub, next lesson, next week, inshallah ta'ala, it's going to be your turn. Okay? Hadith number 14. You memorize 13? Go on, Neil. أحسنت بارك الله فيك أحسنت يا أيوب بارك الله فيك زادك الله علما طيب so this hadith here is a hadith of Anas ibn Malik رضي الله تعالى عنه خادم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that the messenger said لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه none of you believes none of you believes and we're going to explain what this means None of you has Iman until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. The hadith being recorded by Imam al-Bukhari wa Muslim. Tayyib, so what is important to mention here is what is being referred to as Iman. The messenger says, none of you has Iman. None of you has Iman. Iman, as far as its perfection is concerned, and I think we've covered this before in the Asbab in Shirah al Sadr, the avenues of bringing about a relaxed yani, chest. Uh, so when we studied that, we, I believe, covered this about Kamal al Iman, and that it is of two types perfection of Iman. Is of two types. Iman itself, the asl of Iman, the asl, the foundation of Iman, the thing without which there is no Iman is what? There is something that if you do not have it, there is no Iman. So now we're basically talking about the foundation of Iman, the thing that enters you into Islam. The shahada, tawheed, and uh, يعني, um, believing in the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam as your messenger. Without which there is no iman. So that's the asl of iman. But then iman, you can reach a state of perfection. Now that state of perfection that it can reach, there is an, a, a, an obligatory state. An obligatory, a mandatory state 
of perfection that you have to have. If you don't have it, it doesn't mean that you're not Muslim, but it means that your Iman is naqis, it's deficient, it's weak. There is a mandatory level of perfection that you are meant to have as far as your Iman is concerned. If you don't reach that mandatory, obligatory, compulsory, must-have level, then that means that the Iman that you have is naqis, it's deficient, it's weak. That is Kamal al-Iman al-Wajib, the obligatory perfection of Iman. The second level, higher than Kamal al-Iman al-Wajib, is Kamal al-Iman al-Mustahab. The recommended, non-obligatory, non-mandatory, but the recommended, superrogatory perfection of a person's Iman. So you've reached one level of perfection of your Iman. That is the obligatory perfection that you should have. And there's a higher, then there's a level higher than that, and that is the superrogatory perfection of a person's iman. So then, basically, we need to ask now: What is the obligatory perfection of a person's iman? What do you do? What are you meant to do and not do to get to that mandatory perfection of iman? And then, likewise, what is the superrogatory? Perfection of Iman and what are you meant to do and not meant to do to get to that superrogatory perfection of Iman? So what's the answer to that? So the first one, but what about the first one? So number one, you have Iman. You enter into Islam and you have believed in the messenger, you have believed in the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be worshipped and the right of the Messenger alayhi salatu salam to be followed. As a prophet. That's the asal of Iman. That is the foundation of Iman. Now, how do you get to the mandatory level of perfection of Iman? Faisal. Very good. By doing the wajibat, fulfilling the obligations. And that's something else as well. Yeah, the prohibited matters, yeah. So number one, fulfilling the commandments, fulfilling the obligations, fulfilling the obligations. Number two, abstaining from the prohibitions. If you've done that, if you're doing that, then mashallah, you have reached a perfection of iman, a perfection that is obligatory. And therefore, the perfection of Iman that is mustahab, the recommended perfection of Iman is anybody who isn't a regular um, participant, you're more than welcome to answer if you want. If it's the case that Kamal al-Iman al-Wajib, the obligatory perfection of Iman, is basically keeping away from the haram and fulfilling the wajibat, then what is the uh, um, a recommended perfection of Iman. The recommended perfection of Iman is therefore doing the the yet yeah, yeah, mustahabbat, very good, mustahabbat, the 
recommended deeds and keeping away from makruh. Those makruhat, the uh, uh, disliked matters. Okay, so when we've understood that, then we can put this hadith into context. That when the messenger is saying, none of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself, meaning none of you has attained the perfection of his iman. None of, us, none of you has, has attained the perfection of iman. He is not negating absolute iman. However, he is negating kamal al-iman al-mustahab. No, actually he is referring to kamal al-iman al-wajib. He's referring to the obligatory perfection of your iman. Yani, you have to do this. It is wajib for you to do this. And if you don't do this, your iman is naqis, deficient, weak. And then yani, we'll expound upon that point uh, as we go into the sharh. But that was a point that was obviously necessary for us to clarify. It doesn't mean that you're not a Muslim. When the messenger says, none of you truly believes. It doesn't mean that you're not a Muslim, but it means that your iman is deficient. Meaning you're not someone that has perfect iman. You're not, someone that ha you're not someone that has reached perfection of one's iman, that perfection that is obligatory. Um, so Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad, his explanation to this hadith uh, is divided into three parts. Two parts, and then obviously the third part being a summary of the benefits. This hadith, as you can see, is no doubt a very, very important hadith. Like all the hadith, if you now reflect, we've gone through 13 ahadith, 50 ahadith in here, 13 ahadith we've reached so far. If you just think about the ahadith that we have gone through, think and reflect about how significant they are. Significant for you as a person, you as a believer, you as a Muslim, and your day-to-day -day life, and how much of an important role they play in your day-to-day -day life, likewise your household, and how these narrations can bring about so much goodness and rectification in your household, and that they are principal ahadith. Principles, if they are observed and implemented, they will bring about rectification in the household. Not just that within a community, not just that for a nation. Just this hadith here, if we think about it and we reflect over it, this narration here, there are so many things that are attached to it, so many principles that are associated with it, that if a people were to embrace this narration, absolutely there is benefit for a nation. A country, a nation, can base the, uh, the means and the methods that they want to utilize to rectify their society and prevent harm from reaching their society if they implement the, uh, what this hadith demands and requires and necessitates. This hadith here is about brotherhood essentially. It is one of the principal narrations concerning brotherhood. And it is not brother, it's not referring to brotherhood in terms of يعني, blood brotherhood. It's talking about brotherhood that is based upon Iman Loving your Loving your brother 
Not just your blood brother, loving your brother based upon Iman. Yani there's nothing in common between the two of you other than Iman. And it is something that is significant to such an extent that the angels, do the angels love the Muslims? Do the angels love the believers? The angels, they seek forgiveness for the believers. The angels, they lower their wings out of humility for the talib al-ilm, for the seeker of knowledge. The angels they love based upon yani love others for the sake of Allah. And that is them that is them loving someone that is from a totally different species, totally different form of creation. So if there can exist love for the sake of Allah between two different species then how much more about love between the same jinns, the same species, between human beings loving each other for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this type of love, this type of brotherhood, this type of relationship is the true relationship. It's the real relationship. This is the relationship the relationship of brotherhood based upon Iman. So we're not talking about blood brother. We're not talking about blood sister. We're talking about somebody that comes from a totally different continent. And you come from a totally different continent. You are, for example, European. And he, for example, is from the Far East. There's no connection between you as far as blood relations are concerned. However, this relationship that you have between the two of you, this is something that is far more permanent. This is something that will continue to, to, to exist and never be cut off, never die, never finish. In contrast to Al-Ukhuwah At-Tiniyah, in contrast to brotherhood that is based upon يعني, blood. He's from the same family as you. He's your father and your mother's son. Or he's your cousin. Or friendship. All of these relationships, they are soon going to end. As Allah Jalla wa Ala, He has said, إِذْ تَبَرَّأَ الَّذِينَ اتُّبِعُوا مِنَ الَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوا وَرَأَوْا الْعَذَابُ وَتَقَطَّعَتْ بِهِمُ الْأَسْبَابُ When those who were followed will then free themselves from those who followed them when they see the punishment and then all asbab all connections all relations will be finished on yawm al-qiyamah the one that was considered your brother today yani your blood brother no longer will you consider him to be a brother of yours. Why? Because Allah has said in His book, "Yawma yafirru al-mar'u min akhihi wa ummihi wa abihi wa sahibatihi wa banihi." The day when a person he'll run from his "Yawma yafirru al-mar'u min akhihi" from his brother and his mother and his father and his brother, his wife, his children. Why? Because on that day, every single person will be preoccupied with him own self so on yawm al-qiyamah that is the cut-off point 
for your blood relations. If it is the case that you have to free yourself from your blood, blood relations. Yawm al-Qiyamah, that's the cut-off point for your friendship. Al-Akhillah yawma'idhin ba'dhuhum li ba'dhin adu illa al-Muttaqeen. On that day, Akhillah, intimate friends, buddies and pals. On that day, yawma'idhin ba'dhuhum li ba'dhin adu. On that day, they're going to be enemies one to another. But then there is a category that is exempt. Al-Muttaqoon, illa al-Muttaqeen. Except for the muttaqeen, the pious ones. Those whose connection between each other was only based upon love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only thing that brought them together was love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that therefore highlights the great significance of this narration as far as our afterlife is concerned. As far as our eternal life, the real life, the true life is concerned. This hadith highlights that brotherhood and loving each other for the sake of Allah has a tremendous value for you in your life because that is going to last forever and ever and ever and never be cut off even though your relation with your mother can be cut off. And even though your father may no longer be a father in your eyes, in the afterlife. However, brothers, they'll remain today, tomorrow, after death, all the way into paradise. So this narration here, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abbad, in part one, in part one, he says concerning this, that a person he loves this hadith, وفي هذا الحديث نفيو كمال الإيمان الواجب عن المسلم حتى يحب لأخيه المسلم ما يحب لنفسه. In this hadith, in this hadith, there is a negation of the obligatory perfection of a person's iman up until he loves for his brother, يعني his Muslim, his Muslim brother, what he loves. For himself, and this is both in dini matters and dunyawi matters. It is in religious matters and it is in dunyawi matters, in worldly matters. And that is that a person he deals with others as and how he wants to be dealt with. He treats others as and how he wants to be treated. And this is based upon a narration of the Messenger والسلام, recorded in Sahih Muslim from the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As in which the messenger said فَمَنْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يُزَحْزَحَ عَنِ النَّارِ وَيُدْخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَلْتَأْتِهِ مَنِيَّتُهُ وَهُوَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْيَأْتِ إِلَى النَّاسَ الَّذِي يُحِبُّ أَنْ يُؤْتَ إِلَيْهِ That the one who wants to be saved from the fire, delivered from the fire and entered into paradise then let death let his death reach him let him die let his let his death reach him meaning let him die while he believes in Allah while he believes in Allah and the last day and let him deal and behave and treat others as and how he wants to be treated this narration here, what do we get from this? What does it say? What does it teach us? 
that a person, this is in fact an asal from the usul of mu'amala. If you want to know what are the how what are the etiquettes of dealing with other people? What are the principles that you are meant to employ when dealing with other people? Here is the narration. Treat others as you want to be treated. Deal with others as in how you want to be dealt with. So, for example, if it is the case that you want to know how to treat your father, for example, imagine that you are the father now. Think of yourself as being the father. Imagine and put yourself in the shoes of the father. And now think, how do I want my son to treat me? How do I want my son to behave with me? How do I want my son to deal with me? And so on and so forth. Do I want my son... And obviously it is not based upon... It's not based upon your whims. How, what would be good for me? What would be beneficial for me? How would I want to be treated in this particular situation? You are an employer. You have an employee. You want to know what is the best way of dealing with my employee? Put yourself in the shoes of the employee. Put yourself in the place of the employee. Think of yourself as the employee and think what will be best for my employee. Sometimes the employee may think, this is what I want. But it's not the best thing for him. Put yourself in his shoes, meaning what is best for him in this particular situation. You have an older brother. Or you are, you are the employee. and You have an employer. You have an employer. You have an older brother. You have a mother. You have a neighbor. You have a younger brother. Put yourself in their shoes. And think, how would I want to be treated? Meaning, what is best for me? To be treated in this particular situation. Sometimes we, in situations, maybe because we're overcome with emotion, we want we, we we want a certain thing, but it's not best for us. So now we're saying, objectively speaking, in the grand scheme of things, in the broader picture of things, look as to what is the best thing for this particular individual, and then grant him that, and offer him that, and treat him in that particular way. Why? Why should you do this? Because there's an ayah or ayat. Number one, why should you do this? Because the messenger says, whoever wants to be delivered from the fire of hell and entered into paradise, let him believe in Allah, believe in Yawm al-Akhir and deal with others as and how he wants to be de- dealt with and treated. In addition to that, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad, he now mentions certain ayat. What are these ayat? These ayat, they speak about a similar topic. They revolve around the similar topic. And these are the ayat from Surah Al-Mutaffifin. When Allah, He said, وَيْلٌ لِلْمُطَفِّفِينَ وَوْبِي تُذِي مُطَفِّفِينَ مُطَفِّفِينَ يعني, They are defined in the ayat that come after it. Niggardly people, stingy people. But then Allah defines exactly who he is referring to here. Wail to them. Woe be to them. Who are they now? What are their characteristics? Ayah number two. Alladina idaktalu nas yastawfun. Those who when they seek a measure from a people, 
they want it to be filled wa idha kalu hum aw wazanu hum yukhsirun but when they measure or when they weigh then yukhsirun they are deficient what does this mean this ayah is referring to those people who when they give a measure like for example a measure of food like barley or rice or oil or what have you you want so you you seek a measure you want a measure you go to the shop and you say can i have a liter of oil please of olive oil but these people yastawfun they demand for this oil to be filled right up to the brim of the container they demand that this rice be filled right up to the brim of the container and they do not then they are not um easy going in that regard they are not easy going in that regard if you're gonna if i'm paying you uh for one liter of olive oil make sure you give me one liter do not give me 999 milliliters for example okay so they are very very strict about making sure that they get their right fulfilled and that is the underlying principle here they demand that their rights be fulfilled وَإِذَا كَالُوهُمْ أَوْ وَزَنُوهُمْ يُخْسِرُونَ But when they measure, when they weigh, يُخْسِرُونَ They're deficient, meaning when they give a measurement for someone or some form of weight, whether it be barley, whether it be rice, whether it be olive oil, regardless of what it may be, when they give the measure, then they are deficient in that regard. So for example, Customer, he comes to you. Can I have one liter of olive oil, please? Of course you can. What do you do? You get a container and you tamper with it, such that it looks like it's one liter, a one liter bottle, but it's not. It's 900 milliliters, for example. So you fill it up with olive oil, but it's not really one liter. It's 900 milliliters. These type of people. are those people that are essentially doing what they are demanding their rights to be fulfilled but then they are negligent in fulfilling other people's rights And this can apply in so many different circumstances they can apply in marital relationships they can apply in the relationship between employer and employee they can apply in the relationship between son and father mother and daughter and likewise they apply between us as brothers that you say so and so you treated me he treat yani he uh, he treated me like this or for example this uh, this person treats his brother in maybe not a good way and he's deficient in the way that he treats him maybe for example 
he feels as though this brother of his, he has done him over on some business transaction maybe, or done him over in certain dunya we matter, but it's, 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 it's little, it's not a big, big deal really in the grand scheme of things. He's the, but now when it comes to him, and him and how he treats the brother, no, he has no honor for him. When it comes to him fulfilling the rights of the one that was the culprit, you were the victim, he was the culprit. The culprit, as far as you're concerned, he did you over. He harmed you. But the harm wasn't really that big. But now, when it comes to you treating him, then you find, for example, there is no, there is no honor for him. There is no sanctity for his honor. And thus his flesh, it is consumed wherever you go. When, where, this person, he may have insulted you, for example, in private. And now you go and you insult him in public, for example. Or you mock him in public, for example. This type of person, he is being cautioned in these ayat. Then Allah continues. Do these people not think? Do these people not think that they shall be resurrected? For a great and mighty day. The day when human beings shall be standing in front of the Rabb of the Alameen. I.e., you're going to be judged and you're going to be taken account for this, demanding others to fulfill your right, but then you are negligent in fulfilling their rights, whether they are family members or whether they are your brothers. And from the rights of your brothers is what? That you love for them what you love for your own self. You don't want to be humiliated, for example, in public. Don't humiliate them in public. You don't want such and such a thing to happen to you, don't do it to them. Otherwise, you're being threatened by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah. And if you do so, if you have a lack of love for your brother, that which you love for yourself, then the messenger has told us here that that is a deficiency in the obligatory perfection of your iman. Your iman is weak. Your iman is deficient. So, what do we get so far from this narration? What we get from this narration is the fact that loving for your brother, that which you love for yourself, is obligatory. You have to do it. It is not the case that it is mustahab. It is mandatory for you to love for your brother that which you love for your own, for your own self. Now, does this mean that you have to now split your wealth and give him half of your wealth? No. Why? Because the wording of the Messenger, he said, La yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba up until he loves. None of you truly has iman until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Love. Where does this action occur? In the heart. So it doesn't mean that you have to now get half of your wealth, split it, and give it to your brother, and so on and so forth. 
However, what it refers to is the action of the heart. You have been granted something of dunyawi or dunyawi, of dunyawi or dini. Benefit, love for your brother that he has it as well. You've been granted a nice, comfortable house. Have it in your heart. Love that your brother also has this. Doesn't mean that you have to split your house and give him as well. But you have it in your heart. It's a must that you have it in your heart that I love so and so. I love this house of mine. I love the comfort that I'm in. And I love it. I love it that so and so would have it as well. You have a nice comfortable car. You have a nice comfortable vehicle that gets you from A to B. So and so he doesn't have any vehicle. You should have it in your heart. What should you have in your heart? Love. Love for what? Love for your brother that he also has a comfortable car. Allah has blessed you with children. Love for your brother that he has children as well. Allah has blessed you with deen. You pray your salah. Love for your brother that he prays. Allah has blessed you. To be someone that is observant. Allah has blessed you with talab al-ilm. You are here with pens and papers and books, writing things down, studying the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, studying the words of Al-Mustafa. Love for another brother that perhaps isn't doing so, that he does so also. Why? Because that is loving for your brother what you love for your own self. And so on and so forth. So, so far from يعني, what we have gathered from this narration today, based upon the words uh, of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad is that a person if he wants to know how to deal with other people he should utilize empathy i.e. put yourself in their shoes think of yourselves as them not in the emotional sense because if you think of how they are emotionally, then you're not going to be able to give them what they truly need, for example. But think as to what is good for them, what is best for them. If I was in that situation, for example, a child, he does something wrong, he does something wrong. Now he needs to be reprimanded. Does a child want to be reprimanded? No, he doesn't want to be reprimanded. Is it good for the child to be reprimanded for that wrong thing that he's done? Obviously it's good for him. So you do so, not because you have any ill malice towards your son or your daughter, but because you want good for him. So in a similar fashion, put yourself in the shoes of your father, your son, your, uh, uh, your employer, your employee, your brother, your neighbor. What is good for them? What would they need in this situation? And deal with them in that particular manner. And the second matter is that... Uh, any love for your brother, that which you love for, your, for, for, for yourself, i.e. if you have something that you love, wish it for your brother. Because this hadith is in reference to your heart. Yani, that you have a feeling in your heart of loving for your brother, that which you love for yourself. Not necessarily that you physically go and do something, out of, go out of your way to give to your brother, to offer to your brother that which you love for yourself. If you do that... That's khair wa barakah. That's good. However, that which is being referred to this hadith, in this hadith, that which is obligatory, is that you love for him. That which you love for, for, for your own self, i.e. from your heart, 
Allah Ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ma'ala nabiyyina Muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.